We left Moses and the Israelites at the edge of the promised land, but refusing to go in and take the land due to fear of the inhabitants. The Lord then condemns them to die in the desert. The, <clears throat> the unbelieving Israelites' generation has passed away, so it is now time for the Jewish nation to inhabit the land they have been promised since Abraham set foot in Canaan. Moses has died, and the Lord comes to Joshua and gives him the mantle of leadership. <clears throat> the year is estimated to be around 1402 or 1403 B.C. Joshua is aware that he is building on the foundation laid by Moses. Let me suggest there is no such thing as a self-made person. We all are building on the foundations of others. This is particularly true for spiritual growth. Who was it that gave you a base or a desire to grow for the Lord? There was somebody out there that gave you a foundation. God commands Joshua three times in the first nine verses of Joshua to be strong and very courageous. Satan tempts us to doubt God and seeks to fill our minds with endless thoughts of failure while coating our emotions with feeling of inaccuracy and doubt. God only requires us to do what he has given us to do, nothing more. God's challenge to Joshua and to each one of us is one of obedience and commitment. Joshua could be seen as kind of a prototype of Jesus. And the name Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. And he is leading his people into the promised land, much while Jesus leads us believers into heaven. In chapter 3 and 4 of Joshua, there is a mini repetition of the parting of the Red Sea. In Joshua 3 verse 14, and I quote, So when the people set out from the tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as the bearing of the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the bank of the water, now the Jordan overflows his banks throughout this time of harvest. But when they dipped the bank of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. The city that is barely is beside Zerif and those flowing down towards the sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nations finished passing over the Jordan. End of quote. When they finally crossed over, there were three things the Israelites did right away. First, they circumcised all the boys and men. Remember, the generation that came out of Egypt where they had been circumcised, died in the desert, except for Caleb and Joshua. That seems to be a strange sign of symbolism, circumcision. But let me suggest you read Colossians 2 as a homework assignment. I submit that God often models his actions in the New Testament with some event in the Old Testament. 
filling the symbolism with greater meaning. The next thing the Jewish nation did was to celebrate the Passover. The first Passover performed in Egypt was really the beginning of the Exodus and the process of deliverance. They were delivered from bondage and from slavery and delivered to the land of promise and to freedom. So the Passover that began the deliverance is now repeated when <clears throat> to complete the deliverance on the promised land. It really is one complete movement of the Spirit of God. The very next day, the manna stopped and they ate of the fruit of the land. Chapter 6, verse 11. Again, to me, there is a corollary in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. And the beautiful gifts of the Holy Spirit will pass away, but they will be swallowed up by the perfect, which is infinitely greater. <clears throat> this church age we are in at present is a transitory time of wonderings and will be replaced by something infinitely more wonderful. I suggest a rough equivalence to the wonderings of the Jewish nation. Here, life-sustaining gift of, of, of manna is passing away for the infinitely greater provision of the fruit of the land. In verse 13, Joshua lifted up his eyes and saw a man with a sword. He asked, Are you with us or against us? The figure identifies himself as a captain of the Lord's army and tells Joshua, you asked the wrong question. I come here to take, not to take sides, but to take charge. The question is, are you with me? Joshua went to his knees to worship and is told to take his shoes off because the ground is holy, just like Moses did to the burning bush. The Lord himself was present. The Lord tells Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand and with its king and the valiant warriors. At the end of his instructions to Joshua, he gives very specific instructions that all of the precious metals are to go into the Lord's treasury. Take note that God supernaturally gives Jericho to the hands of the Israelites without firing a shot. It was a free gift. But he tells them, I'll be, I'll be your strength and I'll be with you always. But in all future battles, you, Israelites, must do the fighting. Just as we have to fight spiritually against the word, the flesh, and the devil. The Lord will be our strength and preserve us, but we must enter into the battle with zeal. May your day be filled with blessings and peace.